Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 34. We have a special guest who I'm very excited to introduce you all to, but I've got to go over my preliminaries. First of all, if you want to download this podcast or check out my website, please visit hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. You can actually also get this from Northern Runes Radio's RSS feed, and you can find their website at northernrunesradio.com. You can also just Google that. You can follow them on Facebook. They're way more engaged in the social media thing, so they are easy to find. Just Google Northern Runes Radio, and and you're really going to get a lot of them. Uh, If you have any questions about this episode or episodes in general, or you even have a uh, something you want to hear about, please feel free to email me, and you can do that at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find that from my homepage. So, I think that is all the preliminary stuff. I normally talk about the Rune series that the NRR is doing, but instead, I'm going to introduce my guest, uh, my guest Dan, from the Northern Runes Radio. Uh, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fairly well, and, uh, you know, I'm very honored that you would take the time to have me on your show. Well, I'm definitely glad that you're on, and we've got some questions we're going to go over, but before we get into that, for the last few episodes, I've been mentioning the Rune series that you're doing, because I did a quick Rune series where I did 24 runes in an hour, so just real quick preliminaries, and I told everybody to study them on their own. But you're doing something a lot more in-depth, where you're giving an entire episode to each rune. Did you have anything you wanted to mention about that series? Because I've been really happy with it. Well, you know, that series, and, and of course we've concluded it now, but it's it's all there. Uh, if you look on our podcast server, which is nrr.podbean.com, Uh, and just scroll back through the older posts, or if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, there's an actual playlist that has the entire runic series in it. And we go through the runes in four runic systems. And we go through it in such a way as to show how a person would connect with the energies that those runes represent. Uh, You see, a lot of the things that we read... Okay, Uh, there were assumptions that would have been there, because if you take a look at any tribal societies that have ever existed in the world, uh, there would have been initiatory processes that people who would have been involved in uh, shamanistic things or anything to do with the, the energies of the multiverse, and it would be assumed that they would know that, while, you know, definitions and uh, different poetic meanings for uh, runes, in our case, uh, would be given. And, uh, you know, we we can tell that there's been this disconnect there by the Torah books that are out there that, you know, uh, I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but, uh, you know, there there was one book by an author that is very well known who had on the flyleaf of his book that it was dedicated to Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> I'm quite certain that that was not what our ancestors intended when they wrote down the rune poems. Uh, you know, we we look at, uh, you know, that disconnect that's there uh, and, and that the runes are just uh, 
uh, a tool of divination. And yet, when you look at the lore, okay, there's one thing that I found uh, from the writings of Tacitus in, I believe it was Germania, where he sees a priest or a Golthi, uh, and they wouldn't have called it then, that's more of an Icelandic term, uh, but casting blood twigs onto a white sheet and then burning the blood twigs afterwards. We're never told that they were runes. We're never told they weren't. It's one of those things where we don't know. However, we find the lore rife with demonstrations where people went to the Volva uh, or to the Saith practitioner, Saith Madra being uh, a male and uh, Saith Kana being a female, asking them to communicate with the spirits for the purpose of divination. When we read the Havamal, where we you know, the famous stanzas of Odin's self-sacrifice uh, on the world tree, it jumps immediately to the spell songs. So we find, you know, that that whole section deals with sorcery, with, with the acts of using the runes as a tool uh, to cause change to occur in conformity with will, which is as good a, a definition as any. And, uh, you know, at the very end of the, the spell songs, it talks about, you know, the, the questions, you know, do you know how to carve? Do you know how to stain? Do you know how to call? Do you know how to send? Do you know how to sacrifice? You know, do you know how to put to sleep? Better not to send than to sacrifice too much. Uh, you know, certain warnings that are that are placed there. Uh, you know, and so we look at this, and the whole Rudic series is is based on bringing people to that place of initiation to connection with what those runic energies represent, because we don't want to have this precious aspect of our history and our ancestry and our birthright lost because of the fact that you know, that aspect of uh, connection has been ignored. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you brought up the warning things because not only is use of the runes in the lore, it's also in the sagas. And there's a particular story I remember in Eagle Saga, which was one of my favorites, where a young man had tried to cast a love spell with the runes, and pretty much he did it wrong and she was dying and eagle came in and being someone who knew the runes uh appropriately he was able to undo what that guy had done and eagle in eagle saga used runes many times but you're right not for divination and i'm not saying they can't be used for divination but to use them only for divination is to miss the big picture i think so our ancestors were using the runes for magical purposes, and I think it's really important to recapture that aspect of them because there's a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, and also a lot of power in those runes. Absolutely. And not only that, you know, I'm not saying that you can't use the runes for divination because I've used the runes for divination, uh, but understanding that it's a modern practice. Uh, understanding that it is, now I'm sort of dating myself here. You remember those old transistor radios? 
Mm -hmm. uh, that used to take the little square battery and you'd listen to the radio. Uh, I used to use that when I was a little kid because I didn't like what my parents were playing on the stereo. So I'd put on my little transistor radio and put it up to my ear and listen to it. Uh, it's like taking a transistor radio and hooking it up to a nuclear power plant. That uh, is a good you know, analogy. You're, you're using it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're using it and it'll work. Uh, but it's it's not the potential that it has. It has the potential to light a state. Yes. Right? It has the potential to light your life. It has the potential to awaken your soul complex and your awareness of that soul complex so that you are not only connected to the energies of the runes, but to the very energies of what we would call Ginungagap or the glittering void, uh, from which all things sprang. And that's something the gods, I believe, themselves seek after, because when we read in the sagas, the gods use the runes too. Yeah. And they were so generous as to not just hoard it to themselves, but to give it to mankind as well. And, uh, you know, we're told to use it until the world ends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's powerful. And it also shows the relationship of Freth there between our people and the gods and the goddesses you know that's powerful and yeah. uh you know we, we we look at this and 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 see you know that potential but i i've used this illustration in some of the podcasts that i've done and that is that you know you could be a very very wealthy man you could have millions and millions of dollars in your bank account but if you didn't know you had that bank account you could be sleeping under a bridge somewhere thinking that you were the poorest man on earth or woman. Yes. You know, but yet you have all this wealth. You know, what good is it if you're not aware of it? And so what we look at is, you know, in the Runic series, we see without any real, uh, you know, discernment necessary, whether you're dealing with the Elder Futhark or the Anglo-Saxon Futhark or the Younger Futhark or even the more modern Armonro, you find that they are broken up into three or three rows. And the order is almost always the same. There's a few runes that switch places depending on the region. But yet those runes that do switch places are so closely related that it is not an, a wrong thing to do if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. You know, for instance, uh, the rune Othala, I'll use the elder names because most people are, are familiar with that, and the rune Dagas. You'll find in the Anglo-Saxon Futhark, sometimes they switch places between those runes. Well, it's so closely related. Dagas relating to the light of day, you know, that full awakening to who you really are, and Othala, that ancestral property, all right, which means so much more than just and that you're passing on to your to your descendants, but also a heritage, uh, a knowledge, a flame, a torch that you're passing on to the next generation to take in your place. You know, when you see how closely are those runes related? They're 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 very closely related. What difference does it make really in the process if you switch places with those runes? Uh, but you don't see them take runes like Thurisaz and put it in place of the rune uh, Tiwas or 
you know that you don't find that right only with the runes that are very closely related and uh you know, that's that's not wrong that's a regional difference and we went through things in the order that we went through because that was the order of the rune poems that we were working with and uh and so you can see that and we posted some things on our facebook page that showed even some variants in the anglo-saxon futhark uh you know you can take a look at that uh anytime you like and all you got to do is type in uh, northern runes radio into facebook and our our page will come up and uh you can you can take a look at everything that's there but you know that was the main purpose of the runic series and we did some things in addition to that for those that were really serious about it. And, uh, you know, we did uh, some things that really uh, focused on how one can truly meditate on the runes. And to, you know, get into the state of consciousness that's necessary because there's so much information about meditation out there that is actually not accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that really gets to me is that people talk about true meditation being a state of non-thought. And they take that to mean that you are empty-headed when you are in that state. And nothing could be further from the truth. And the masters of meditation know this. Okay, this is what's insidious about it. <laughs> they, they leave that to the student to discover. And unfortunately, people make their assumptions and then you know basically all you've done is you've relaxed really well mm -hmm. uh non-thought has nothing to do with not having thoughts of course you're going to have thoughts but you're not thinking in words what they're talking about is silencing the inner narrator constantly describes everything around you in your daily waking consciousness and plays songs in your head and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, out of the blue, I wonder who's winning the football game, you know, while you're in the middle of doing something else. You know, that part of you gets silenced so that you can hear the wordless imagery, intuition, that aspect of archetypal pulse that goes through your soul complex and then after you've had that experience, interpret it with your inner narrator. Yeah. You see the order of the soul complex and how it works there? However, when the inner narrator doesn't shut up, it can't hear what it's supposed to be interpreting. And so, you know, if you were to, to transpose this upon, uh, let's say, uh, Olden, and he has the two ravens, Hugen and Munin. Of course, that should, you know, have a little bit of meaning, you know, Hugenhoff Kindred. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a memory. Well, there was one that Olden worried about more than the other. Okay. And that was, uh, you know, the memory. And it's more than just remembrance. It was, you know, memory encompasses the entire intuitive process of, of the brain, the actual side of the mind. Okay, what is interpreted then in the intellect is what has sprung forth like a wellspring from the intuition. And, uh, you know, in, when it's in that order, then all of a sudden you've got something that is real 
that you can do something with and you come away from that experience not only with connection but with you know uh an empowerment and uh because the runes it's a two-way street uh you're connecting with them and they're connecting with you you're hearing their song okay and uh you're learning how they want you to call them that you're hearing how they work and the whole process of creation and destruction in the universe uh but you're not hearing that if you're trying to describe it to yourself in your in your mind while you're having the experience you wait until the experience is over and then you interpret it yeah and, and i think uh you know that that order that flows that's something that's very difficult for i think us as westerners in general people who like things you know with our history in aristotle and putting everything's into categories and and dis- dissecting things when we have an experience there's a desire to say oh an experience is starting let's categorize this and let's understand this but you're absolutely right once you do that you've kind of reintroduced that inner narrator and you've reintroduced language into the situation and you can't understand the experience in these linguistic terms so and i've done it so many times myself I'm like, oh, this is something new and neat. Let me understand it. And then completely lost the experience. You have to get past that and be like, no, this is going to happen. This is a thing that will happen. My meditation is going to happen. And after the fact, then you can dissect it all, all day long. But while you're absolutely, in the state, absolutely. you cannot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the order in which it flows, because let's, let's take the fetch, for instance, in the northern soul complex, okay? You know, that is the, the highest aspect. It's, it's, it's part of us, and yet it's not. It, it, it's a part of us, and yet it seems like it's not, because it's related very much to the Valkyrie. Uh, you know, if you take a look at the word, you know, uh, for the fetch, it's, it's very much related to Philia. Uh, okay, protective spirit, also to the Norns. It's also uh, related to the Norns. Uh, you know, yes, there is uh, that aspect. I recommend to all of the listeners that are here to read the saga of the Volsungs. Uh, read it carefully, because there is so much lore in that saga that talks in Galdic prose about what it is to connect to the fetch and to the higher consciousness more so than almost anything else I have ever read. Uh, you know, you take a look at Brynhild and how Sigurd, the hero, has to walk through the wall of fire to get to her. All right? If it was easy to connect to the fetch, everybody would already be connected to the fetch. Right. You know, we we have to move forward and prove ourselves to be worthy vessels of the evolution and expansion of the consciousness of who we really are. Otherwise, uh, you know, we've missed the point. And, uh, you know, being remembered is, is one of the things that was so important to our ancestors. They wanted their grandchildren to remember their names. Well, we also want gods to remember our names, don't we? Yeah. No, we want ancestors to remember our names. You know, we want them to be proud that we did something with it. 
with what they gave us with their sacrifice. Uh, we want the multiverse itself to remember who we are. But that doesn't happen if we don't have connection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that was the main reason for putting out, and this is the longest series we ever put out, uh, was, you know, for the Runic series in all four of those systems. And, uh, you know, to, to put that out there for people so that they could use that as a tool of initiation with one rune leading to the initiation into the rune following it in a process that not only awakens them to who they really are, but allows them to understand once they get to that place, how to hang on to that and then how to use that and have control over their own evolutionary process because now they're united with their fetch. Now they are a vessel that the entire soul complex now has proven itself worthy to be. And, you know, we could become something more than what we were, all of us. But we have to be willing to take some time. Uh, And it doesn't have to be like you know, you see some of these people, you know, oh, I spend 18 hours a day in meditation. Uh, well, yes, how nice of you not to have to work for a living. Uh, you know, people have lives. And, you know, we have responsibilities. Uh, you know, I, I know this responsibility and you know this responsibility we have with our children. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, you know, do things with them. But in the middle of all that, you know, working hour after hour for somebody else, uh, as a, you know, to have the money to be able to live and to, to do what we need to do, maintaining our relationships, doing this and doing that. You know, I, I've said this to some people, you can't set aside 30 to 60 minutes in a 24-hour day to do something for your own development. Okay, yeah. when when you die, your car, your house, all the things that you've built are going to belong to somebody else. What you have created for yourself in terms of your spiritual growth is what you take with you into the next world. So, where's our priority? Yeah. You know, no, we we want to have that balance between the two. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if you're only asking half an hour a day, 60 minutes a day, that's not that much when you spend eight hours at your job and four hours watching TV or whatever you do to relax in the afternoon. Yeah, and you know... Just, just common sense. Uh, you know, like, yes, our lives are a lot more complicated than what they were a thousand years ago. We have different challenges that we have to face. Uh, our big challenge today is not whether we're going to go out on a long ship raiding somewhere because we need to have the wealth to trade, uh, which, of course, is all part of a big process that, you know, helps us to continue on uh, with what it takes to survive the harsh climatic conditions. Uh, You know, imagine living in a house without a furnace and being up in Iceland or Norway or England. 
uh, you know, not not a good place. Uh, try being up here in Canada without a furnace. Uh, you know, not a good idea. Uh, I'll tell you that right now because uh, <laughs> it can get pretty cold. Uh, but our challenge today is not so much a physical uh, there are some physical things there if you're a combat trooper you know you you have different priorities or if you're in a situation where you don't have a job and you're struggling for things you know yes obviously you're going to have things that you're going to want to do to change your circumstances but you know in the majority of cases and and something that everybody is a part of regardless of their circumstances is what i call the battlefield of the mind and that's the battlefield where we are fighting not to uh, harm others, but to awaken others. Uh, not through, you know, trying to, to convince people that we're right. Or trying to convince people that, you know, we, we have something that they don't. But to be that example of an awakened soul so that somebody scratches their head and says, I want what that person's got. You know, a whole new spin on we are our deeds. You know, when when people look and they say, you know, this is, you know, this person's life is something that I look at and, and I sure wish I had what they had. Uh, and then it gets to thinking. And then the questions start coming. And then you can start to share. And, and you know, you can, you can start to, uh, you know, help people open their eyes. And through the, the runic series, as, as we've been talking about here, you know, show and point to a system that has been in place for a long, long time that provides that very step-by-step -step process of awakening and becoming you know, right under our very noses, right there, and uh, and can cause you know these changes to happen in a person's life. And when enough people awaken to who they are, then we see change start to happen. Then we see you know people's attitudes begin to change. Then we see you know other people who are uh, you know even of of, of other uh, tribal descent, you know, starting to, to look into their ways more. And, and you know, they become awakened. And you know what? It, one of the things that I want to express is that, you know, nobody in the world, uh, I don't care where they're from or, or what nationality or cultural background they come from, is better or worse than anybody else. But the the thing is, is that our, our Western society, at least, is trying to make a consumerist empire where you know, everything is all the same and everybody is just living to uh, work, make money, purchase goods, and then when they're no longer able to do so, to die. And, you know, profiting a very few. And what we say is that difference is the spice of life. And difference is something to be celebrated. 
And difference is something that we should, you know, be working with and to encourage people in, in true pluralism, not trying to erase people's culture, not trying to take away people's heritage, uh, whether it be Northern European or whether it be anything else, but working towards people uh, becoming something. Uh, I like the, the puzzle illustration and that is, you know, if, if a, you have a big complicated puzzle and there's a piece, and let's say all these, these puzzle pieces are conscious, okay? Mm. It doesn't like what it is, and it's trying to be the piece next to it. That puzzle will never be complete because there'll be a hole where that one puzzle piece was supposed to be. And, yeah. you know, but if everybody, you know, and, and, and we could do this in a way that's honorable and true, you know, becomes awakened to who they really are. You know, a lot of the stupid conflicts that we see would come to an end. A lot of the things that impri- comprise true evolution on a planetary scale would begin to happen because it would be like a mosaic of beauty, like an orchestra with many instruments all playing by themselves. They sound like they're all doing their own thing. But when it's done together, it's like, you know, the most beautiful song you've ever heard. And, uh, you know, it's time for this to happen for humanity. It's time for this to happen for us as people of Northern European descent. Well, uh, you know, we need to awaken. And, you know, let me demystify awaken, okay? Some people have, you know, well, awaken. All of a sudden, the organ music starts playing. <laughs> uh, no, you, you awaken, it means that your eyes are opened and you're no longer, you're no longer living in what you have been told by others you are living your truth that you know is the real you. And, uh, you know, that's the opposite. We'll listen to what other people tell us we are. You know, you try to do something new, okay, and any number of people will rise up and point their finger at you and say, that can't be done. It'll never work. It won't happen. And you know what? There are people that often are sitting on their Chesterfield watching a game and they don't get involved in life. They are spectators in their own story. We need to become the authors of our own story. We need to take that responsibility, but that happens through awakening and realizing that we have a truth. And it's not just ours individually. It is contextually a truth that reaches back into the furthest depths of our ancestry. Okay? And you know, others have that too. And we support that. And, and we, we put that forward. And you know, when, when we talk about the esoteric side of things on the Northern Runes Radio, which is basically what the Runic series has been, and we did a show on Sathe, a long time ago, we're going to do something a little bit more on that before the end of the year. Um, but, you know, it's because of the fact there are so many of our people that are sound asleep, believing everything 
that Western society tells them that they are. That we need to have a shakeup where people are starting to awaken and that power is unleashed to bring that about in a way that, you know, beats the clock for what's going on in the world. Uh, yeah. And I, I know I've been sort of taken over and I've been talking <laughs> a lot here. Sorry about that. But, you know, I'm passionate about this because that's the reason why we exist as a podcast. And that's the reason why we branched out into a network. We wanted, I, we want to promote this awakening. I think that was uh, some very powerful things you said there and some things that, that are absolutely true. Um, just the fact that the spiritual world is diverse, just like the, if you look at the physical world, you see a lot of clues about the spiritual world. And I think that the spiritual world is diverse. And I love that symphony analogy. Now, you've actually answered one of my questions, which is great. Uh, Something I ask people, because I'm folkish, is what is folkish? And I think that you've defined that. There is diversity as much as some corporation doesn't want there to be because they don't want to have to market to multiple groups. There is diversity. We are all individual, unique people and also we have individual unique cultures we all go about spirituality in different ways and i don't think that the norse gods are real and the greece greek gods are made up i don't think that i think they're real too there's room for both of them and whatever you want to call the spiritual world so if unless you had something more to say on folkish in particular that's one of the big questions i wanted to answer that analogy that it is like a symphony or a jigsaw puzzle you can't have the whole thing if you pretend that you're something not that you're not it's just a perfect explanation of folkish for me and i i now i'm going on but i just want to say that i think folkish (laughs) if you take it if you take it the right way it is very it has to be by definition tolerant of other cultures because if you say these are our ancestral gods and that's why we're working with them logically it makes sense that other people would have other ancestral gods just as valid and just as as um logical for them to follow so i think that's explained what folkish is which is a big one i wanted to get to on this show well, I, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, I, I would like to add one thing, and, and that is what Folkish is not. Uh, because, uh, you know what, uh, there are wingnuts that are out there that do all kinds of things and get photographed on national television uh, with our symbols behind them. Uh, we are not people that hate others. We are not haters. We are not people that perform dishonorable acts and deeds against others, okay? Uh, You know, we are a people that desires not only to flourish and to become something ourselves, but to be a positive influence to all those people in the world, wherever they may be, you know? Uh, Just like you were saying, they have ancestors. They have ancestral gods. They are of no less value and of no less worth than any of the heroes and gods of our people. 
And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the gods and goddesses of all mythologies exist in, in, the, in the realm or layer of consciousness that, that they exist in. And, uh, you know, they exist in our hearts as well. Uh, and we, we've got to understand the union of these two things. And this is one of the things that uh, I know when I went through some of the training that I went through. Because when I started on this path, okay, 28 years ago, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, of books written. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, I grew up in a very strict evangelical fundamentalist family, which helped a lot, I'll tell you, <laughs> um, you know, to get get things available. Uh, so I had to do a lot of research uh, from sources uh, and, and do, you know, I didn't have these fancy books. I didn't have, uh, you know, Edward Thorson's writings or anybody else. And uh, I had to to learn how to do these things and, and go through, uh, you know, studying comparative religions. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did all kinds of things uh, in terms of uh, esoteric work uh, with uh, uh, hermetic orders. And uh, one of the things that I, I learned was how to boil things down to their lowest common denominator, because I had my own motivations for doing certain things. And uh, one of the things that I found was that the gods and the goddesses of our ancestors and of everybody else's, you know, ancestral uh, way or tribal way uh, are just as real as the next. And the connection, however, that we feel to our gods and goddesses and to the runes, okay, as Northern European people is... The same as we have the comfortability in speaking English in the physical body. Uh, if you were to go to another country where they spoke a totally different language, you could learn that language and you could learn it really well and perhaps even be so good that you didn't have an accent when you spoke it. But if you dropped an anvil on your toe, you'd probably curse and swear in English. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be the first thing that comes to you because that's your first language. That's your mother tongue. Well, these things, the, the backdrop and the context of uh, our mythologies and, and of our gods and goddesses and of the runes are like the dialect of our collect soul in communication with the multiverse. You know, and it's no less valid than the collect soul of any other group of people. But it's just our mother tongue. And, you know, the connection and the power of this, and I would say this to anybody out there, is that if, if you question that, and you're of Northern European descent, call on one of the gods, respectfully. Mm -hmm. And uh, you will find a response that will take place that you never would have thought possible. Uh, that will challenge your perceptions of reality. And this is, this is where a lot of things become difficult for some people because they have a paradigm of what they consider to be real with a capital R. And when you actually touch on the, the power of the gods and their identity and the goddesses and uh, on the, the very consciousness of uh, the earth and your soul complex, it shatters that paradigm. And it could cause 
uh, a lot of stress for a while. Yeah. And then things rebuild themselves. And uh, you begin to understand, okay, all the stuff that I've been told, all the brainwashing that I've undergone since I was a kid uh, wasn't right. And uh, now the tapes that are being played inside your deep mind are being changed to reflect the reality of the truth that your awakened eyes now see to be your own. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a powerful thing. But, but folkism is not about hating people. It's not about any of that sort of thing at all. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, we on the NRR support the entire religion of Ozatru, whether they're universalist, folkish, whatever. Uh, because we're concerned about the faith of Ozatru. And we've got to remember that it's a faith. It's a, it's a, it's a religion. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we cannot tell others. I like the way Brian Wilton put this on, on an episode that was just put up this Thursday from him. You know, tell others how to practice Ozatru, telling them that they're wrong and that we're right. Uh, you know, we can believe that we're right or that we're wrong, but, you know, we can't tell other people how to practice their faith because there were untold hundreds of regional differences in Northern Europe in our ancestral times. Not a single time is it ever said in any of the sagas or literature that, you know, the Danes went to the Anglo-Saxons and told them that they were practicing their religion wrong. Uh, you know, didn't go... Uh, to Iceland and tell them that they were practicing their religion wrong. Now, this is prior to the conversion period to Christianity, of course. Mm -hmm. Have any any knowledge about the conversion process that went on <laughs> in that situation? You understand that uh, you know the the context is a little different. But uh, you know, when it comes to heathenry, when it comes to to our way, which is really what they called it, uh, you know, they they didn't go around telling people that. Uh, what they did was live lives that were true. And there were, of course, rotten apples in every barrel, as there is everywhere else. Uh, you know, we have that today, too. Uh, but let me, let me put this example out in front of you here, and this, this will probably get us flagged by some security agency. Um, but let's just say uh, <laughs> Christianity, for instance. Okay. Uh, we have to have a mature attitude towards that because none of the people that are Christians today were alive in the time period where all of the atrocities were committed back a thousand years ago. And none of us were there to experience and be offended by those things. Uh, but, you know, we take a look at that and is there, are there extremist groups that are in Christianity? Absolutely. You know, take a look at some groups that claim to be Christian. Uh, you know, you, you take a look at the KKK. They claim to be Christian. <laughs> okay, but does yeah. that mean that's what the religion of Christianity is all about? Well, there are some wingnuts out there that do some really horrible things, and they, you know, have a hammer of Thor hanging around their neck. Does that mean they're Ozatrar? I don't even think they are of the folk. No. They obviously uh, don't you know, understand the religion, or they wouldn't act in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to make sure that that was, that was put out there and put out there strongly, because, you know, 
we we support not only our own as a people growth in and and becoming who we are also that of all other peoples of the world uh, i've had people come to me because of the connections that i have through the different experiences that i had to go through in order to learn about our ancestral ways you know i ended up you know, having uh, friends who are, are, are spiritual leaders in various different ethnic religions, you know, and I have taken people by the hand and said, this person will be able to explain to you what your ancestral lineage is. And, uh, you know, get thank yous from, from people, you know, I never would have known this if it hadn't have been for the fact that you took the time to listen to me. And that you came down there and you helped me, and 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 I got to to know who I am. And you know, I thought that was a tremendous thing, uh, and you know, a, a respect there that that was built between us and uh, and the people of that community. Uh, you know, we are not, you know, people that are trying to be supreme or better than anybody else or anything of the sort if anything we want to be of service to our our kin and uh in ever increasing circles you know of service to our our our, our kindred or our, our our tribe if you want to call it that uh and of, of service to our folk and of service to the world yes uh you know service in, in a way that makes a positive impact. Because you know what? Our Christian ancestors made a big negative impact. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. uh, take a, you know, talk to some of the, to, the folks uh, during the colonization processes of the British Empire. Okay. Uh, you know, we take a look at some of the terrible things that have happened. Well, you know, now we, you know, our ancestors that were pre-Christian didn't do that. They were not the barbarians that, uh, you know, medieval history made them out to be. They were fierce fighters, but they had a coat. And uh, they didn't go around and try to convert entire nations to their religion. Uh, they didn't go around and, and, uh, and slaughter them because they didn't convert either. Right. You know, they went and they traded with people. They, they were more renowned for being traders than they were being warriors. And a lot of people forget that. There was 40,000 years plus of history. And we're looking at a period of three to 500 years where it was the end of our people's society. That's right? something... Of course, there was conflict. I think that's something really important to remember, that our ancestors were, for a very long time, traders. And you can't trade with people if you're intolerant. It simply wouldn't work because you're dealing with people of multiple cultures and religions. And there seems to be a bit of a glorification of the Viking Age and, oh, the Viking Age, that's when real Austria was. But the history goes way before the Viking Age, and I'll point out, only the beginning of the Viking Age were the majority of people Ossetro. The majority of the Viking Age, when you read the Heimskringla or the other sagas, the first eighth of the book people are following the old ways and the rest and on some of the more brutal ra raids they're already christian 
So even to say that the Viking Age, everyone was also true, would not be correct. So don't, don't glorify that part of it. I think we were great traders, which shows by necessity that we had to be tolerant of other people and let them do their own thing and do our own thing. And I absolutely agree that's what we should be working with, a diverse world where lots of different people can work together and um, follow their own spiritual legacy. That's what we want. We're not Christians. We don't want everyone to believe like we believe. We want everyone to follow their ancestors or we want everyone to become their own person and believe what they need to believe so yeah this glorification of the viking age is something that's kind of been a pet peeve of mine for a while that wasn't the glory days of our ancestors the glory days of our ancestors were way before that started absolutely and and more than that uh, you know, some of the uh, most wicked people uh, in terms of the way they, they treated uh, their own uh, kin uh, were post-conversion. Uh, you know, we take a look at uh, Olaf Trajason, for instance, sainted by the church, mm-hmm. uh, because, of course, he converted the whole nation and of course, you know, his edict was everyone will convert to Christianity or die. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's recorded. Uh, you know, some of on, on the esoteric side, believe it or not, some of the most evil rune masters that ever lived were actually Christians that were using these tools. And, uh, uh, you know, there there are some... Uh, very, very dark legends about certain grimoires that were, you know, sought after by people. One was called the Red Leather, and uh, it's never been found, to my knowledge, uh, but the person who sought after it uh, ended up having a broken life. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, the guy was a bishop in the, in the church. <laughs> but yeah. he was he had this whole other life where you know he was using you know and and so you know we take a look at this and and, and this was the end the viking age was the end of our civilization uh and uh you know, we talk about all of the raiding and the the fighting that went on if you were displaced from your homeland uh, you had embargoes economically put on you that you couldn't trade for goods. Uh, if you had family members, and of course we know, you know, the troth that we have to our family that we're being uh, executed for uh, not converting, uh, you know, all of a sudden, what choice do they have but to raid? And I find it very interesting that they call, and, and they are in archaeology starting to say that it was before this now that, you know, they're, they're, the Viking Age was, but what was commonly known as the dawn of the Viking Age, is the rain uh, a raid on Lindisfarne? Mm-hmm. It was a monastery. All right, they robbed the church of all their gold in that monastery. Uh, it wasn't a village. 
And, uh, you know, you can make it that what you will, but perhaps it was a statement. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you take a look at that. And, uh, you know, yes, were there brisk practices that were done? Indeed, in our modern view of things, we would look at some of the things that were done and say, oh, yes, that was barbaric, but it was no more barbaric what was done by every other culture at the time. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, that people forget, too, is that some of the greatest conflicts that we read about in the sagas were not with other people, but with other tribes of the Northern European uh, group, grouping, uh, you know, because land was scarce. And, and you know, they were, they were fighting for a lot of different reasons. Some wanted glory, but they also wanted to make sure that they had the wealth necessary and the, uh, the, the food necessary and all of the different things that would help them survive. And land was in, in, in such great demand that they would seek it wherever they could find it. And so you'd find wars between different tribes and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but, uh, you know, you just take a look at, at these things. And, uh, you know, yet the Vikings, and they were converted by this time, but they were still following a lot of the old principles and the old codes. Hmm. Uh, you know, we're in Greenland living side by side with the uh, peoples that were indigenous to that land. And uh, we don't ever read of them ever fighting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at that, and, and, and there was a reason for their raiding. There was a reason for their fighting. It wasn't just arbitrary. Uh, and some of those reasons are not things that we would consider valid reasons today, but we have to look at the context in which they lived at that time. And today, we need to bring what our religion and our faith is to the 21st century, and stop living in the past and bring things to the present moment where we're not going out there uh, with the attitude of, you know, I'm going to cleft your skull with my axe type of a thing. Uh, you know, I, we're, we're in the battle for the souls of our people and, and we're calling on the gods and we're bloating to the gods. That's the name for one of our higher ceremonies uh, or having a symbol, which is more casual. Uh, we're dealing with esoteric workings for different reasons than they Absolutely. had a thousand years ago. Absolutely. And, and you know, bring that now to this point because if we don't you know the awakening process is not going to be effective and we're not going to have anything to pass on to our descendants yes and i uh have very much enjoyed this conversation we will move on to some of the other questions but there's some really good stuff brought up in here so i certainly don't mind the side tangent uh Hugenhoff Kindred sort of implies that we're going to be exploring other thoughts as they as they come up, which uh, much like the NRR is why we don't script things and say, I'm going to say this, then you're going to say that, because it would destroy some of these side conversations, which I think are sometimes the best conversations that we have. But uh, let's move on to another question, because I'm curious about this. Um, what brought you to Osetru? Uh in in the first place? You know, you're in a 
evangelical house, how do you say, instead of this, I'm going to honor the Odin and, and Thor? How did that come about? Well, it came about in a very strange manner because, of course, uh, my father was a preacher for many, many years. And, uh, you know, he's he's a good man. And, uh, you know, I, I do honor him uh, because, you know, he, he really means in his heart what he talks about. Uh, but when I was very young, uh, before I knew how to write... I used to doodle as kids do. And I used to draw out things. And on an occasion that I will never forget, I witnessed my uh, parents behold what I was drawing out. And uh, I had no explanation given to me, but I had it torn up into little pieces. And uh, I got... Uh, my arse tanned. And uh, being the kind of kid that I was, that didn't mean I stopped drawing those symbols, I just never made them anywhere where they would be seen. And, uh, you know, I continued on drawing these symbols, and I found out uh, when I started to, you know, go through some ancient history, because uh, for, uh, this is really odd, because it's the only year that our social studies class, when I was in school, delved into ancient history. All the other years previous and all the other years afterwards, they delved into more modern history, like the 1700s and the 1800s and so forth. But this, they were going back 5,000 years. They were going back, you know, to uh, Mesopotamia. They were going back to Egypt. They were going back to some of the things that were in Europe. And, uh, you know, talking about... You know, things we had to make little artifacts as, as part of our class. And, and uh, you know, I felt this connection to the, to the gods, to, to Odin in particular, and uh, also to Freya. I just had this, this sense because, I, I, you know, they, they would show these pictures and, I, and I, I had that connection. And even though I was very young at the time, I had that connection and I found out uh, that these little things that I've been doodling and drawing out were 18 perfectly drawn out staves of the Anglo-Saxon Futhark. Wow. And uh, from that point on, you know, I said, you know what? I've heard all kinds of sermons I've heard all kinds of uh, things from evangelicalism, but this is real. And that, to me, wasn't. You know, all of the different things that I had attended. It didn't have the same power. It didn't have the same touch. And uh, you know, so then I, I began to, to look as much as I possibly could uh, into everything that I could find. And unfortunately, you know, I had to sneak things into the house. And I, you know, I got a library card because, of course, we didn't have the Internet back then. Uh, I had a Commodore VIC-20, if you can remember <laughs> what those computers were. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, and so uh, 
you know, this is even before Windows 95. Uh, you know, I didn't have any of that stuff. So I had a library card. And I would go around and I would I would go through uh, as many things as I could find in the library. And it was surprising how much there was. But it was all written in very archaic Elizabethan English. So what I did was I read the Bible through four times a year. The old King James Version. Uh, and I did that uh, from the time I was about eight years old until the time I was 16. And I did that for the specific reason. First of all, uh, you know, it was expected of me to know all of the Christian doctrines and so forth. But second of all, the old Elizabethan-style English became as easy for me to read as reading something out of a modern newspaper. And so I was able to go back, you know, and, you know, I had that contextual understanding of what they meant by certain words. And, uh, you know, the only thing that hung me up was the pronunciation of some of the old Norse names. Uh, you know, like, because, you know, they would transliterate them and you'd have like two Ks and, you know, uh, and you'd sit there and wonder if you're pronouncing that right or not. But the storylines and the sagas, uh, you know, because they were written at the same time frame as uh, a lot of the uh, the old James-style language was in vogue uh, between the 1600s and the 1800s. Uh, I've read one saga that was uh, translated in 1888. Um, the English version reading through that was very simple and so i was able to build more and more knowledge in regards to that and uh, then i began to to study as i got older comparative world religions and uh, start to look at the different tribal religions that were in the world uh, everything from the aboriginal natives here in north america to the uh, aboriginals in australia new zealand and africa and china and uh you know even uh you know uh, some of the japanese shintoism uh there's a lot of buddhism in in japan but the shinto was actually one of their native religions mm -hmm. and uh, uh going through that and boiling things down boiling things down okay they did different things for different reasons, but the state of consciousness they were trying to reach was the same. So they used this technique and that technique. They used this, and then they did that. Well, what do we read now when we read the sagas, let's say, of uh, going into a safe trance? We find that they beat the drum. Uh, you know, uh, I believe it's the, the fleeting of Loki. Loki accuses Odin of being womanly because he was sitting under a tree banging on a drum like a witch. Right. Um, you know, and that was, that was an insult. And, uh, you know, Odin didn't care. He was a, he was a master of saith as much as of the runes because of the fact that he exchanged that knowledge between himself and Freya. And, uh, you know, that was at the end of the, the war between the Aesir and the Vanir. For those that will read a, a portion of the lore called the Voluspa, uh, where it talks about this. Uh, and you can find that in the Poetic Edda. 
you you find out you know okay what they did you could fill in the blanks uh through understanding the different methods that were used by all of these different tribes because they you know they would do things for different reasons but yet there was one thing that they did that was the same here there was one thing that they did that was the same there this was different so that really not really applies to what's going on but but oh that this was the same here and, and you know boiling things down and stripping it of its context to see what it was they actually were trying to accomplish in terms of, of their uh, state of consciousness. And then reading the, uh, the saga and the lore and all of the pieces that are missing, because there's a lot of missing pieces in our lore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you begin to see, okay, they would have assumed that you would have known this. They would have assumed that you would have known that. Uh, you know, okay, so how would that fit into the Northern European context? Okay, and then, you know, try it out, trial and error. I was not an armchair theorist. I still have not stay. Uh, you know, I would do practical operations, and, you know, I have a stack of books of, uh, you know, recounting all of my failures, and I have uh, books that have uh, accounts of my successes. And, uh, you know, understanding how these things would play together and then looking at uh, the different aspects of things I learned uh, when I uh, joined certain esoteric lodges, uh, you know, boiling that down to its lowest common denominator. Okay. Yeah, I think... You know, how we get all this together. Because, uh, you know, is it exactly the same as what our ancestors practiced a thousand years ago? No, that's not the point. The point is getting to the state of consciousness that they reached in order to do what they did. And uh, that's that's the thing uh, that I, I want to get across. Uh, the gods are not so much concerned about how you call them. They are more concerned that you called them. And they'll take care of the rest. Yeah, if that absolutely. that makes any sense. And I think that's a really good way to do it because oftentimes I think people run into a brick wall when they see there's not an in-depth explanation of how you do this ritual or that ritual or we want to call to the gods but there's only fleeting information. You can look to how other people do it, find the archetypical, if that's the right word, find the things that they all do the same and then apply it to the gods. Because I I think it's important to remember that the gods are our kin. They want to commune with us. You know, it's like when you go over to your parents' house, you don't have to break in. They want to deal with us. All we have to do is put ourselves in a state where we can open the gate from our end. And we can hear what they're saying. Because they want us to be there, so... Unless you're doing something that's intentionally offensive or just absolutely irresponsible, they're not going to be offended. So if if you can find something that works, they're going to be doing a lot of the work themselves because they are our elder kin. Which actually leads into my second question, which I think you've already touched on, but I want to see if you have more to say on it. What is also true to you and what are the gods? 
Well, to me, uh, you know, that's a, a very important question. To me, true is, and I hate the term religion, I prefer mm-hmm. the term faith or spiritual philosophy, because it's not something that we do on Wednesday and Friday nights. It's who we are and what we are. And, uh, yeah. you know, when I, when I say what is also true to me, it is what I am. Uh, I live by this. Uh, I walk with this. Uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's as natural to me because even when, uh, you know, I've had this happen with other people that have come uh, into our kindred, for instance, you know, saying, you know, I've been living by these codes all my life, but I never knew it was called also true. And, you know, it's just, it's just like a natural thing. Um, to me, it was the impression of being at the center of the truth that is in my soul. And, you know, somebody else might have a different experience. But that's, that's where, where I was with that. Uh, and, and uh, you know, for, for the gods, I believe, because there's always that, that conversation, are the gods a part of uh, human consciousness uh, somehow in a collective sense, or are they objective realities? Right. Uh, I really say to that, what's the difference? Because you can't get out of your own head anyway. Uh, you could be sitting in a banqueting hall and eat a plate of spaghetti and think that that was the greatest spaghetti sauce that you had ever have cross your lips. And your best friend could be sitting next to you in the exact same meal and say, I feel like I have to go throw up. That was so gross. Uh, why is that? It was the same thing. It was because his perception or her perception of that was different than yours. And, you know, when we look at objective reality, we have smoke and mirrors. Because, yes, there are certain things that we have agreed upon collectively, both in greater humanity and in our, our collective soul, uh, you know, our folk soul, if you want to call it that, that, this is real, this is how we will perceive it. But even if you're looking at the same object, let's say you're looking at a tree, you're not seeing the tree the exact same way that that other person that's with you is seeing that. Right. Because there is a, a perception that you can't get away from. So... Are the gods objectively real? Yes, I would say they are. Are they a part of the psychological complex of the multiverse? I would say, yes, they are. And so are you. So am I. Do you feel like an individual? Do you have a will? Do you have feelings? Do you feel pain when you're injured? Do you have hopes and dreams and feel pleasure at your success? Well, if you are a part of that perception of the multiverse and that consciousness of the multiverse and feel all of those things, okay, and that's all still inside your own head because you can't get out of your own head, why are the gods and the goddesses any different? 
They're just yeah. on a different frequency than we are. Okay. I, We've been taught and indoctrinated to think that only those things we see through the five senses of the body are real. Okay, and yet, even with our eyes, we see only a small spectrum of, the, of light. You know, there is so much more out there. And that, again, part of the awakening process, and start to realize, you know, what the truth of who you really are is. I, I, think I hope that's that answers really, your question. I actually really like that answer. Um, yeah. I I think that's a very good answer, and to sort of point out that, you know, it's it's always a question that I was a philosophy major back in college. Um, I'm in accounting now, so I didn't use the degree. There's not a lot of money in philosophy, but there is always a question: what is real? What isn't real? And I still think about it, and I still debate it. And you can go in circles forever. I mean, literally forever on that question. But ultimately, you get to some sort of point where you have to admit objective reality is that something you can even define, being that you will always see the world through your own mind, your own preconceived notions or whatever else they they may be. But what is what is true is that the gods, whatever they are, can talk to you. They can guide you. They can help you in the world. In that sense, they're real. Just like the chair I'm sitting on has real effects on my life, the gods have real effects on my life. So are they real? Yes, they're very real. In the same sense that chairs are real and people are real, you could go one way and say they're objectively real, which I happen to believe, or you could go the other way and say objective reality doesn't exist. But what matters is you can learn from them. They can affect your life, and you can affect their existence. And hopefully, being an honorable person, you will. So, I, I guess I'll move yes, on. Yes, Absolutely. I guess I'll move on because um, uh, we're actually running a little bit over. I, I don't want to cut the interview short because I'm actually really enjoying this one, and I have a feeling that my listeners are also really enjoying this. We only do a monthly podcast, so a few extra minutes isn't going to hurt, and there's a few more I want to get to. Um, we've kind of touched on this, so I'll just see if you want to add anything extra. The first one... um. What inspired you to create the Northern Runes radio podcast? And then what inspired you to branch out into a network? Because recently you've kind of branched out into a network, which is why I'm on the RSS and uh, some other podcasts. And I'm very supportive of that and very excited about that. But did you want to talk about your motivations? Well, I went through a long period of time where I really didn't talk to people about true or about my faith or about uh, the esoteric side of things, especially uh, because, of course, one knew the cardinal rules of the of the esoteric uh, to know, to will, to dare and to keep silence. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I ended up, uh, you know, because I, I was working in. Uh, in two types of jobs. I, I worked in the trades as an insulator, 
and I made some pretty good money doing that. Uh, and I also worked as an environmental tester. And uh, when I wasn't working as an insulator, I did work with the environmental testing company. And uh, I was basically running the site for the company uh, for for this particular purpose. Uh, on you know we w- we would go out and test for all kinds of different biohazards, and and uh, we had you know really good equipment. And uh, I walked out to the truck one day because uh, there weren't a lot of us there. You know, it didn't take a hundred people to do this job. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think the most we had four, uh, and we only had two. And I, I decided to go out and, and, and work myself uh, and leave one of the guys to, to work the database on the computer while we would send information up because we had our handheld devices that we could use uh, that were connected to the central server. And I, I threw the stuff of the truck and shut the truck door and hit the ground. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd never had that happen before. Uh I got up. I was not feeling very good. I was kind of nauseated. Uh, We went to the testing facility because we would test our equipment on some live gas cylinders to make sure that it was it was accurately picking up uh, parts per per billion because that's how sensitive sensitive this this machine was. and, uh, you know, my partner then went out to get the work permit to go to the site. And we were going to go off to a very isolated site doing some gas well testing. And uh, he came back. And as soon as he opened the door, I hit around again. And uh, this man saved my life. Uh, he was an EMT before he started working for the company that I was with. And he recognized the signs of something going on with the heart right off the bat, just from the color of my skin. And uh, he, he hauled me right over to the emergency services. They cut my coveralls off of me. They, they took me to the hospital. Uh, it was a 45-minute drive from the site. That's how far away we were from Fort McMurray. And, uh, you know, they put me on the table. And they ended up having to stop my heart deliberately because none of the drugs were working. And so, you know, for that period of time, I died on the table. And then they had to go through the procedure of shocking my heart to get it to restart. But while this experience took place, it was like time froze. And I just want to say this to our listeners out there. If you don't think that there's anything out there past the physical, I can tell you that there is. Okay? Uh no, I watched the doctors over my body. I remember being taken away from the hospital just on a walk. If you want to call it a walk, that's the closest thing I can I can say to it. There was no body or motion involved. And I heard a voice speaking to me, although I could not see who it was that was speaking to me. It was like they were they were out of sight deliberately, very clear. And it was almost like a simultaneous communication. It, it wasn't it wasn't like I'm talking to you right now waiting for you to answer me. It was like we were both at the same time communicating and understanding one another. And one of the things that came up was are you happy with your life? Are you happy with what you've done with what you've been given? 
And then, you know, I saw my life flashing before my eyes, and I saw that I had not done anything that really affected people other than in, in just the natural world that really mattered to who they were. And, uh, you know, I woke up hours later. Uh, they had put something in my mouth to protect me from biting off my tongue through, you know, the uh, electrical process that they put me through. And it worked. They got my heart restarted. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up, from that point on, you know, racking my brain thinking, well, well, what can I do? What can I do? Uh, you know, like I'm not, uh, you know, I spent most of my life, you know, <laughs> basically supporting my family and doing the right. things that are, you know, most people do, right? You know, how can I make a difference? You know, who's going to listen to me? So I, I ended up making this series of seminars. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it actually was my wife that, that really got me off my arse because she came and pointed her finger at me and said, you know, enough sulking around. You know, if you're going to do something, then, then you better do it instead of just sitting there bitching and moaning, pardon me. <laughs> uh, so I did it. I, I made these, these seminars, and they were four hours long, and there were four of them. And I, I put it out there that I was holding this. They were called the Ozzatru and Ancient Runes Seminars. And I didn't think anybody would show up. And uh, I walked to that room that I had rented for, you know, it wasn't a, a vast sum of money, but it wasn't the greatest place either. <laughs> right. I, you know, I walked into to a full standing room only room. Wow. And uh, so I went on and I went for two hours. We had a coffee break and then I went on for two more. And uh, then they all came back the second one, brought a couple more people. And then they all came back for the third one. And then they came back for the fourth one. And then they said, you know, what are we going to do now? Now, we, you know, we want to worship the gods. We want to become a part of, of this. And so, you know, Harz Hall Kindred in Edmonton became an, an entity. And, uh, you know, those people, that was years ago now, are, are still... Uh, you know, faithful kindred members. And, uh, you know, we, we look at, uh, well, what can we do to, to expand this beyond what we've just done here locally? Well, we tried streaming radio, and that didn't work. Uh, we had six listeners, and we knew who they all were. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, they'd all been part of the show. Yeah. Uh, and then we started uh, podcasting, and uh, we ended up with about Oh, I'd say 3,000 listeners. And, but then we sort of plateaued. And that, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't want to sit there doing podcasts that were just there for the benefit of Ozatrar folk. I wanted to do something that was going to wake people up. Like, yeah. I had been woke up. Like, I had been woke by, by an experience of, of basically looking at, you know, this could be your last moment. And, uh, and so I, I did something that my partner thought was nuts and I went back to streaming radio. And of course we lost a lot of our listeners because, you know, internet connections were bad and with, with many folk and they couldn't get our shows. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, 
I branched out into mainstream too. We, we played mainstream music and uh, uh, we did all the things that you would do to break out of the neo-pagan bubble. Uh, you know, we, we put, you know, newscasts on. We put, uh, you know, shows that talked about current events. We did everything that we could to be, uh, you know, full service, not just for also true. And then after about six months, I shut that all down and put it back on a podcast server. And what happened was we took all our mainstream listeners with us. And we got rediscovered uh, on the podcast side of things by a lot of our older faithful listeners. And, you know, it just took off from there to, to now where our, our RSS feed hits are, are between a quarter and a half a million. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's we, we are moving forward. Uh, you don't see those numbers when you look on our websites because that's just the streaming. Uh, people that are streaming... Uh, from a player that's on a website or people that are streaming from YouTube, uh, you know, uh, or, or streaming from uh, uh, an embedded player that they put on their website. Uh, you know, that, that's an addition to the RSS. The RSS is something totally different for those that don't know what that is. Uh, it, it automatically, if you have a podcast aggregator or an app that opens podcasts, it automatically downloads every new episode or or uh show as soon as it gets published and the same thing works with itunes which we're on uh you know they are and they don't have to go to any site it just automatically shows up there and that's where the 99 percent of our listenership is coming from and then add another firm thirty thousand to the streamers and we appreciate each and each and every one of them uh because you know what we're we're looking at trying to do something to awaken people's souls, and it's not you know I never asked to to sit here and be the voice of the NRR or to be a Goldie of Harris Hall Kindred. It all just sort of fell on my lap, and you know I I just took steps, and anybody that has a true heart could do these things. All right, anybody that has a true heart could make as much of a difference if not more than anything that i could ever do and if i can help you know one person out of all those people that would listen you know take that and run with it and all of a sudden you know they they could change the world uh you know that's what i'm looking at uh you know so when i'm mentioning you know this uh, i don't talk about numbers and all that very often you know Yes, we our ancestors boasted about various different things, but you know, I I'm not bragging. I'm just I'm sitting here astonished just as a simple simple young man. As, uh, according to my father, I'm still a young man. <laughs> <laughs> He's 83, so everybody's a young man. <laughs> but but uh, you know, I'm a simple fellow that you know just open up his heart to opportunity to do something try and help people and you know that's that's really all it comes down to and you know if you're willing to to put in the time and the effort and to to be serious about your own spiritual life 
and to live what you are, to live your truth. You know, there is no limit to what you can accomplish, but getting that through to you, getting that into your soul, into your head, so that indoctrination that, oh, I'm just a farmer, oh, I'm just a school teacher, oh, I'm just, what can I do? Nothing, if you think that way. If you realize you are an incarnated being that carries the gifts of the gods within your very soul complex, and you live that truth, you can be and you can do things that you never ever thought could be done and touch life after life after life. I hope that, you know, please hear me, people. You can change your world. You can change your world. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't believe the lies. Yeah. Live your truth. Absolutely. And That's I, really I... all I have to say. I think that um, all the listeners will agree when I say we very much appreciate it. Because the Northern Runes Radio, um, it's a really, it's a strong network. And sometimes it is difficult to find uh, something that's really talking about Ostro, Especially in depth, which, uh, again, we were talking about the Rune series earlier it's easy to go over some basic things and say I'm also true and I mean that is that is good and that's important but something the NRR does that I have really enjoyed a lot is diving deep into things like the rune series um, the understanding Odin podcast was another one of my favorites because our faith has a lot to offer and a lot to teach and you've brought some of those lessons out and absolutely to emphasize what you said again, if other people want to do this, I think that would be a great thing. I mean, I'm doing a monthly podcast right now, but if other people did monthly podcasts, if, if four people do a monthly podcast, somebody could listen to all four of them and get some new information every single month or every single week. And that's only one day out of... Well, that's not even a day. That's, what, an hour out of your entire month. That's not hard to do. So if if people are out there looking to start their own thing like this, I think that would be a very a very cool thing to do. And, you know, maybe correspond with myself or Dan. And if there's a possibility you could be on the network you know it's something that could always be discussed because it's it's always good to have more people talking about this and right now i don't think enough people are actually diving deep into some of the really interesting really important part parts of of our faith our lore and the gods themselves so and i do want to say to you dan thank you for putting out the Northern Runes Radio, I know doing a weekly podcast doesn't tell a decent number of work, but I think you're really reaching people, and I very much, um, personally, I very much appreciate it, and I think our listeners do as well. 
Thank you very much. And, you know, we, we really appreciate you and the Hugenhoff Kindred podcast as being network partners with us. Uh, we are proud to be associated with you. And, uh, you know, I want our, our listeners that are tuned in and uh, the listeners to the Hugenhoff Kindred podcast, you know, to realize, you know, what a state of uh, frith that there is in the network and you know this podcast that we're that you're listening to right now uh is is one of the better ones out there and uh you know the questions that ask they are powerful questions thought out questions questions and uh discussions that uh you know will benefit you and uh, so I, I would encourage you to go to their home website and subscribe to their RSS feed. Uh, subscribe to them, uh, you know, listen and stream from their website, stream from uh, the RSS uh, from our network as well. Uh, you know, I, I want to see people succeed. And, you know, if you have something that you want to do, whether it's artwork or whether it's a book or whether it's a podcast or whether it's anything that has to do with pushing up and awakening the souls of our people, feel free uh, to contact uh, Hugenhoff Kindred and contact Northern Runes Radio. Uh, contact us. And, you know, we can help uh, and, and get information out there. Get your work out there. You know, it's it's something that's a passion of mine. It's, it's the biggest reason why we branched out and decided to stop talking about being a network and having a links page to actually being a full-fledged network. Was we wanted to see other people get pushed up to the limelight. We wanted to see other people besides us rising up. Okay? We want to push people up. Because when any of us succeed, we all succeed. And, uh, you know, I just want to just state this on this show. That, you know, we at Northern Runes Radio uh, support Hugenhoff Kindred and the podcast and the work that they're doing. And I want to thank you very much for, for letting me be on this show. Well, the the feeling is definitely mutual, and I want to thank you for being on the show because I think that by putting the Hugenhoff Kindred podcast on your own uh, network, I've seen a lot of growth, and, and I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to see the network grow and even more people be on it in the future, which... I think in the future they they will be. So I've been very excited about this uh, networking partnership that we have, and 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 yeah, I I'm glad that we could find time because I don't know if everybody realizes this, but uh, I'm in like Indiana, USA, and Dan's in Alberta, Canada. So there's there's a bit of a time difference so there's there's some things we have to work through there but he's taking the time out of his day to do this this podcast and i think it really shows and and one of the goals that i had in this podcast is to show we really are network partners like you said we're not just links on 
on a link page anymore, but we're really working together to get these concepts out there about Osatru, about the gods, about the runes. Um, and now I, I'm only going to ask you one more question because I know you've been on here for a while and we're a little longer than our u- listeners are used to, but for the content, I think is definitely worth it. The last thing I'm going to ask is a two-part question. If you have any ways that you want the listeners to contact you, if you could give those. And any final thoughts you might have. We we didn't have time to get to the, about three of our questions, so if you wanted to say anything on those, you can. Or just, where can the listeners find you? And what, if any, are your final thoughts on pretty much anything we talked about today? Okay, uh, it, to get a hold of us uh, is actually very simple. Uh, there's three three surefire ways that you can get a hold of us. And one of them, of course, is through Facebook. And you can go uh, just to Facebook and type in Northern Runes Radio in the search feature in Facebook, and our page will come up. And uh, you can like the page, and you can private message us there, or you can post there. And, of course, we'll see that because we service that page quite frequently. Uh, you could also email us at a very simple email address, all small letters, all one word, runesradio at gmail.com. Or, alternatively, Wodenson, all small letters, and it's W-O-D-E-N-S-O-N, Wodenson at northernrunesradio.com. And so both of those are actually quite easy because, uh, you know, they they have our name in it, really. And uh, both of those emails uh, will work. Uh, I check those quite frequently. And, of course, uh, through through Facebook, that's a good way, too, because you can private message that way. You can do all kinds of things. Uh, if you want to find out where our website is, I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of different web links. Uh, all you need to do, really, is go to your search engine whether it be Bing or whether it be Google, and just type in Northern Runes Radio. And you'll see a whole plethora of things come up. Uh, Our website is northernrunesradio.com and uh, our podcast server, nrr.podbean.com. You'll find all of that just by typing typing our name into uh, any search engine, really. And, And we'll come up. And, uh, you know, you can, you can connect with us. You can find out what's going on. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, but you can find posts to that on the Facebook page. And, yeah, it's just a whole plethora of, of different avenues through which we, we progress in uh, trying to reach out to people. And uh, if you, again, want to network with us, uh, just, uh, you know, email us and, and ask and let us know what you do. And uh, I hope that, you know, that's a, that's a help to you. Uh, I, I really don't have much to add. I know we've been on the air for a lot longer than what the, the usual podcast is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, probably because I talk too much. But uh, the thing is, is that, you know, if you forget everything else in this entire broadcast, just remember this one thing. And that is that you are not free unless you are living your truth. And you, you don't know what your truth is until you wake up from what other people have told you that you are to the knowledge of who you really are. 
You know, if you can remember that, that encapsulates the value of everything we've talked about here today. Absolutely. And uh, did, did you have anything to add there, Byron? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, we've we've been through a lot. I will just uh, second the things that that you've already um, second the things that you've already said. And I know we did go a little longer than normal, but I really think there's a lot of content to this episode. So hopefully, people won't be upset that we went a few minutes longer because really, there's a lot of good stuff that we got to talk about today. Actually, a lot of good stuff we didn't get to talk about but we can only be on so long before people stop listening so i guess <laughs> i guess we have no choice but to wrap it up okay well, so you uh, know, we can always do it again <laughs> well and we really might have to um here in a few more months uh we really might have to talk about doing that because there's so much stuff that i want to talk about and just not enough time to do it but i do want to just say thank you uh very much dan for coming on i think people are going to be really excited to listen to this episode i really think it's one of our best so thank you for coming on and thank you for having me Absolutely. And for everybody else out there, um, if you had any questions, uh, feel free to email me at huganhallpodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, if you had questions for Dan, he's given his email links out. And uh, please do visit the website. It's www.huganhoff.org. And subscribe to the RSS while you're there. Or I do want to mention, if you go to northernrunesradio.com and subscribe to the RSS, my podcasts actually come up in that feed. So you can have one compact feed where you don't have to follow multiple feeds. All of the shows are actually coming up there. So you can just subscribe that way and, you know, it works just as well. I do suggest you use rss because then you never miss an episode that's what i'm using and i've been very happy with it but uh northern runes radio or yeah northern runes radio can also be found on facebook if you want to go there so everyone thank you very much for listening and i guess we'll talk to you next week fra hail hail <laughs>